0: Uh, just a reminder, um, this is Ephesus. This is the baptismal um, that is still there um, in Ephesus. This is later than, than uh, what we're, re- we're reading. Uh, John was a pastor in Ephesus, but uh, this is probably second or third century when this was uh, built. So it's probably not the one that he used, but um, it is ancient and has seen a lot of baptisms. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to retirement. Yeah, I started working about eighteen months ago, and I was like, "Nah, that's no good." <laughs> and and uh, but but, but I, I know I know how it works. Um, I'm supposed to uh, really like you know work hard right now. You know, be be bold, be risky, get out of my comfort zone, do uh, incredible things right now. And if I do, then that's going to pay off at some point and then i'll be able to uh retire hopefully um in my early 40s so i'm looking at about 7 more years of hard work and then and then <laughs> relaxation time uh, and and so uh, what and this is kind of a cultural script obviously not 40 years old but usually it's more in the 60s and 70s nowadays but uh really the the, the cultural script is you get out of your comfort zone now um, so that you can have an amazing comfort zone later right uh, and 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 we we have a vision all of us probably have a, a dream or a vision of what retirement might or should look like um, i i i don 't know i 'm not sure exactly what mine would entail, but probably not doing anything would be a big part of it. <laughs> And, uh, and video games would be, would be there too. Oh, and family, of course, of course, family. Uh, but I have a, I have a vision of what it might look like to really get into my comfort zone. And I know based on the cultural script that we all live and we experience that in order to get there, um, I have to now, um, really kind of get outside of my comfort zone, do things that are risky, do things that are bold, be energetic, be engaged. And if I do that, if I do that, then there's a good solid chance that I'll be able to really have the comfort zone that, let's be honest, I deserve. <laughs> it's weird, though. I mean, you think about comfort zone. The, the, the idea is, is that really the best kind of life is the life where you're comfortable. You're safe, you're secure, uh, you, don't, you don't have a lot of anxiety, you're not stepping out in a lot of ways. It's just a place where you kind of create a world that you're happy in right? And that is sort of the idea or the ideal of what life is supposed to be. You're supposed to create the comfort zone, whatever that looks like for you, and then you amass the resources so that you can live in it and enjoy it. And that's human life. And so if there's any place for getting outside of your comfort zone, it really is in preparation for or in order to generate the ability to get back into your comfort zone. The question that's going to animate us today is, is there any other reason? And specifically a theological reason. Is there any reason to get out of your comfort zone? Is there any reason to live in risk? Is there any reason to live in places of, of anxiety, and places of uh, uncertainty? That's going to be in the back of your minds. I just want you to hold that in the back of your minds as we journey through the text today. We're still in First John. Uh, we're about to wrap it up. Um, we're, this is the end of chapter four. Chapter five will go pretty quick, so we're near the end of First John, and, and and today I think John's going to give a really profound answer to that question. So hold that in your in your in your uh, in the back of your mind as we engage uh, the text today. This is First John four twenty to twenty one. If a person says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Look, anyone who does not love the brother he has seen is not going to be able to love the God he has not seen. This is the command we have from God, that the person who loves God must love his brother too. Just to, the, the very first thing I just want to throw out, and this is sort of like, just just to take home with you. There, I, I don't know if you've met any of these people, but there are some people out there who, um, they've got God figured out, it's like them and God. And they don't really need a community or a church. They kind of just have like a personal sort of spirituality, a personal faith, and that's good enough for them. And sometimes I've noticed these people uh, are usually very um, voluble in telling me all the things that I'm doing wrong in my spiritual walk, which is cool and I appreciate that. Um, but what's so weird is if you're, if you're like, you know, rolling solo <laughs> with you and God, then it might actually be that you're completely wrong <laughs> when you say that you love God. Because notice, notice the first thing. I love God and hates his brother. If there's anything that you have to say straight up, it's that anyone who genuinely claims to love God must be in a real vibrant actual community. Like you, you can't, there is no solo I'm doing my spiritual thing and you know I'm meditating after I climb this mountain uh and and that's you know me and God and I don't need anything else. No 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 no. If you think you love God but you're actually not involved in some kind of community, straight up we can just throw that out the tape, uh throw that out, out out the window and and we can say if someone comes at you and is saying you're doing it wrong and I've got it figured out and they're not loving their their, their brothers and sisters, you can just thanks but no thanks. Uh because I don't think you really have it figured out yet. That said, what does it mean to hate? You know, John uses this word a fair bit, hate and love, and he's, he, he kind of throws it out there, um, and, and it, it's, it's a pretty powerful word, it, and I wonder if we really kind of get a sense for what it means. If I, can we cast our, our minds all the way back? Oh, by the way, all of the um, texts are on the back of your note sheets, so if you want to follow them, uh, there you can, because we will bounce around a little bit. But if we if we cast our minds back to the very beginning of 1 John, uh, it, it looks like this. This is what John begins his sermon with. He says, Jesus' life was made visible, and we saw, and witnessed it and now announced to you the eternal life that was with the Father and has been revealed to us, we're announcing what we have seen and heard to you so that you might have union with God or union with us for indeed our union is with the Father and his Son Jesus Christ we write these things that our joy may be made complete that's the uh the union there's coined and it typically gets translated fellowship or camaraderie something like that but you, you no one we don't do camaraderie with god god's not our buddy god is somebody uh, that's that's far beyond and there's a there's a, a serious an, an in, there's a, a a in, uh, uh, profound intimacy that can take place when we begin living as God lives, living with others. And that intimacy is not only with uh, the Father and the Son, it's also with each other. And so translate union. This is like the, the ultimate example of what human life is supposed to be. It is union with God in love and union with each other in love. And so the whole thing that we've been talking about for you know eight months now has been about how to seize and, and, and internalize that eternal life, that union. Because that union is so important, when John talks about hate, when he talks about hate, he's talking about fracturing that union. He's talking about it splitting up and breaking apart. For John, hate means division. This is the first thing in your note sheets, and I'd like to to remind you a little bit about the uh, the context. John's uh, he, this, he he's near the end of his life, probably. This is probably before he is exiled to Patmos. He might actually have been there and come back. We don't know, but we do know that John was was older. Um, he, he's a part of a church that was probably founded by Paul uh, earlier. John's seen a lot of people die. He's seen a lot of. Apostles and disciples, people who knew Jesus, be faithful and then get martyred. John has seen uh, a lot of stuff coming and going. And what's, what's worse is that he's seen in, in just the past few years, after all these people, people like James and Peter and probably Paul, have given their lives for the faith, he's seen other people come in, people who didn't know Jesus at all, and they have been fracturing and breaking up the church. John has just been through, and his congregation has just been through, a whole bunch of church splits. Probably more than one. And what he's recognized is he's recognized that there is nothing worse in this life. There's nothing worse in our spiritual life than having division, having breaking apart of those that God's put together in the church. And there's nothing you can do that's worse in John's mind right now. I mean, there are things that are worse, but one of the worst things you can do is divide or abandon this community. Instead, you need to be engaged with this community, loving this community, in action and truth, he says. To walk away, to lead people astray, to split it up, that is the ultimate example of hatred. The opposite of the union with God. What does brother mean? So we talk about hate. Hate's division. What about his brother? You know, in the ancient world, uh, it, it, especially in the early church, it, things were very different. Um, well, so, <laughs> when you, when you were, went to like church in the ancient world, um, and, and not Christian church, but any of the churches, they sometimes get called mystery cults. It was very interesting. You would walk in and you would join probably, a, it was kind of like a club almost of people who were exactly like you right? Uh, they looked like you, they had the same socioeconomic status as you, they had the same education as you, they had the same thoughts and, and beliefs as you, probably the same politics as you. You were just, you were all the same. And that's how kind of ancient religion worked. It was almost like what we would think of uh, now as as clubs for like-minded people. And you would go and you would, you would worship together, whatever god or goddesses um, promoted the kinds of things that you liked, but you were with people who were just like you. One of the radical things that happens in the early church is that, um, as, as we see here, um, can we pull up Paul? Here in the church, there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. That is a profound and radical statement as had ever been uttered at the time Paul utters it. When we hear this, we're like, oh, okay, barbarian, Scythian, whatever, slave, free, Barbarian and Scythian is uh, pretty much like uh, our, our term for like savage uh, paul 's experience um, in the church is that that people from the outer regions of the empire, people with no education, basically looked at from the Roman perspective as feral human beings, human beings without any self control any um, ability to think or reason they have been st- smack dab put in the middle of this community along with people who have the long history of Jewish religion along with people who are slaves and freed people there are people who are literally sitting in the pews and, and on, on Sunday or whatever day they're worshipping they call each other brother and sister and when they walk out of the church they go back to being master and slave imagine how radical that must have been to think about the fact that the, pre- the people you were with were as far from you, as different from you, as you could possibly be in this life. It's uh, it, I think Dr. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. said um, something to the effect of, uh, the saddest thing is that the most segregated day in the United States during the week is Sunday. He was pointing out the fact that um, it's, it's crazy how the Christian church, um, in North America especially, but really wherever it goes, it, it so quickly tends to become a club of like-minded people. People who are so similar and so easy to get along with. And how radically different that is from the way the church was when it was uh, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slaves, and free. Uh, elsewhere, Paul um, in Ephesians says, male or female. There's this huge difference between uh, men and women, and yet somehow they're, they're brought together as one in the church. Every line is crossed. Every barrier is broken down in the blood of Christ. All of us are put on the same playing field and made one, made one people. And yet our natural tendency, our natural tendency is to think of my brother and my sister as people who are just like me. Scott's not here. He's uh, teaching the the kids in in youth group. I like Scott. Um, I mean, he's kind of a jerk, but I really like him. And uh, we get... Hey, takes one to know one. Okay, I'm not. If he were here, I'd say the same thing. Uh, <laughs> but the thing, what's so funny about Scott and I? We've known each other for 30 years, like 30 years. I, I, I can't. Outside of my blood family, I don't know anybody that I'm just as comfortable with, except maybe his brother Jeff. Like people that I have been close to for so long. In fact, I, if we really tried, I bet Scott and I could finish each other's sentences. It's one of those things, right? That's what I like to think of when I think of my brother in Christ, Scott, my buddy, my Paisano. Is that a thing? Is that a word? Italian? Uh, my, my 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 close friend, who's who's are so similar, and and we have the same sense of humor, which is probably really bad. And uh, and and every we we you know, two peas in a pod, Tom and Scott, and yet. Um, this is the next, next thing in your note sheets. In the early church, brothers and sisters began as strangers and aliens. People as far apart as you could possibly be. The only time I've experienced anything like it, uh, two times. Uh, the first time was uh, the first Sunday I went to um, church in college. I was in uh, North Carolina, and I didn't have a car, and uh, neither did any of my friends. So um, Mark and Dave and I, we walked to the nearest church. And it was a um, a black Pentecostal church, <laughs> and it was a trip. I was like, "Oh, all right, this is t- I, wow." I had no idea that the church could be this much fun. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to be bored. <laughs> like, wow. And, and and it was really cool, um, you know, they oh, they were so sweet, and uh, they brought us in, and they were like, and we were, so, it was a little bit uncomfortable, because I didn't really know how to worship in that sort of environment. Uh, Mark was a little better, because he was from the South, uh, but Dave and I were like, oh, Dave was a wasp, you know, from Connecticut, I'm from, we're like, oh, this is so, we don't know what to do. And then uh, afterwards, we're like, okay, let's get out of here, run back to school, they're like, don't you go anywhere, you haven't eaten yet, and like, got pulled into the the potluck, we're like, oh, it was it was difficult. It was difficult. Uh, when I was living in Japan, uh, my uh, my church was I've told you before is a missionary Baptist church. Me and twelve old Japanese farmers. Uh, <laughs> the most awkward meal meals of my life were once a week, uh, once a month they had um, supper to, or uh, lunch after church and uh, i never knew which week it was going to be because it was all done in japanese on i can i i was able to speak and listen to japanese i couldn't read it so the emails were just garbage to me i was like Ooh. so i'd show up and uh, it, well it's it's lunch it's lunch week okay here we go and so i'm sitting there and, uh, and, and these, these grizzled old Japanese farmers, um, as far apart from me as you could possibly be in terms of background, in fact, they actually spoke with like a really deep, it was kind of like when you go to the south and people are like, are hey, you doing what you going in about? and you're like, oh, I'm speaking English, could you try that again? <laughs> nice, sweet. They, did, they had the same kind of Japanese. And so I was, so even, I mean, I'm not that good at Japanese anyway, so I'm sitting there like, try, I can't understand a word they're saying. I'm like, hey, Tom. I'm like, oh, pass the beans, I guess. I'm like, I don't know. It was a really, really uncomfortable experience. I hated, hated potluck Sunday. Because I was going to have to talk to these people. what they ended up doing is because they realized we were never going to get over the communication barrier, uh, (laughs) what they would do is um, they would all bring weird things that a barbarian like myself would hate to eat, and then we would have a game where they would make me eat it. To show their love, you know. Like, oh, is that raw horse flesh? By all means! Yes! No, that's great! (laughs) It's funny, that we actually did uh, begin to uh, make connections and, and, and really did come to feel a little bit like family, as, as much as that was possible for a place that was so... I mean, it was 45 minutes from where I lived. Um, but that's, that's kind of what church is. It's strangers. People from radically different backgrounds uh, coming together and finding a way to become close. Uh, Let's go back to the text. We've done hate. We've done brothers. And Listen to this. Anyone who does not love the brother he has seen is not going to be able to love the God he has not seen. It's really important. I mean, depending on which translation, you might not get that, is not going to be able, but that is literally what the Greek says. You are not going to be able to love the God that you've not seen if, if you're not able to love the brother or the sister you do see on a regular basis. And you've got to wonder, why is that the case? What is it about um, loving the brother or the sister that somehow makes it possible to love God? Is there some kind of connection there? Well, there's one other place um, where John talks about God never having been seen. It's in the Gospel, um, John 1.18. John's writing uh, like editorially here, he's just talked about John the Baptist, and then he says, "No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. No one's ever seen God, and yet we have seen the Son. God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Think about what this means. Uh, the first thing, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas. Awesome, awesome theologian. He once said something like this. He said, um, whatever likeness we have with God, God is infinitely unlike us. Whatever similarity we have, God is infinitely dissimilar to us. And so the thinking is something like this. Well, uh, God is, or we're, we can love people. And that might be something that we share with God. But God's love is infinitely more pure, infinitely more giving. And so God is infinitely different in his love right? No matter how much we're like God, God is so far beyond us, so up there, so far away that we we really don't have access to him. We We can sort of get an image or ideas, possibly, but God is radically alien to us. It would take a tremendous trip for us to get from where we are to where God is. He's in heaven, we're on earth. He's spirit, we're flesh. He's perfect, we're imperfect. He is just, and we are unjust. He is all of these things, and it is absolutely beyond our ability to know or understand. And in the midst of that, God crosses over in the person of his son. He goes from heaven to earth. He goes from spirit to flesh. He goes from infinitude to finitude. He goes from there to here. He makes this this giant leap out of his comfort zone. Because if he's going to love us, if he's going to save us, he can't stay there. And so he does something incomprehensible. He makes himself known. We want to know him. And he says, Here I am in Christ. That, that, that action, that movement of God from there to here is fundamentally who he is. You might uh, say, and this is the next thing in in your note sheets, uh, that God reveals himself by reaching out to strangers and making them family. As as strange as, as it could possibly be, there is so little that we have in common with God. Yes, we bear his likeness. Yes, we bear his image. But God is infinitely beyond us. And yet he crosses over that gulf, and he doesn't just show up. He then invites us into family He says, I'm going to make you my children by the blood of the cross. I'm going to take you from where you were. You're far off and I'm going to draw you near. You're in a far country. We're going to come and live in the same time zone. I am going to take you from where you are and make you mine. And it doesn't matter how far out of my comfort zone I have to go. I think um what John is trying to communicate when he says that if you if you can't if you don't love the brother or sister that you can see that you can't love god who whom you haven't seen he's saying if you 're not able to make that cross that cross over from you know uh you know America to japan uh from you know white sort of kind of western uh Bible church to um, to African-American Pentecostal church, if you're not able to cross these barriers, if you're not able to take the stranger and make them family, then you are unable to love God because that is who he is. That is what he did to love you. It is in his nature to get out of his comfort zone and go find far-off people and make them close in the person who loves god must love his brother too i um this is hard to get in uh, in english because uh, there's no must in the greek um but it's it kind of sounds like in the greek it sounds a little bit like uh, the person who loves god um is also loving his brother it's like the two are are somehow conjoined um this is the best I could do to keep the syntax, but the feel of it, the feel of it is like, is like, uh, when you're loving the brother or sister, when you're making that stranger family, that action, that attitude is what it is to love God. Who misses dating? Anybody? Well, who, well, we have some people who are dating. Hello. Yeah. In high school, it was like, I mean, I, I was focused on getting to college. In college, I was like, what, girls? This is awesome. And, uh, but why don't they like me? <laughs> I'm great, right? Uh, and, but really, I, I feel like I started to come into my own um, in, in Japan and then uh, in grad school. Um, and so at first, it was really exciting. Oh, wow, someone that's, a girl likes me. This is rad. And then I realized dating is the worst thing in the world. It is horrible. There's, okay, there's a lot of things I love about being married, but one of them is that we don't have to date anymore. Now, okay, we do go out on dates, but it's different. It's not the same. Uh, it's, it's a different experience now. Um, I mean, do you remember, or some of you are, you know, in the middle of it, I guess, but like you're, there's that nervous, like, So, do you like me? Uh, Do I like you? What happens if we have dinner together? Is that making a commitment? How much commitment are we getting through? Who are you? What are you like? Do I really want to be spending more time with you, or is this just kind of... I mean, it is an absolute disaster. I, I I look back and I'm like, I don't know how we did that. Like, gosh, it was like you're constantly living in this. What they they call it a liminal space? It's a space where anything could happen. It's like it, you you have no idea the kind of you know, life that you're about to enter into. It's like it, you could you're you're in a place of risk. You're in a place of possibility. You're also in a place of tremendous vulnerability and and the. Po- Potential for for rejection and pain, and it's like, and you're doing all of these things, and and if you're a Christian, you know, you're you're even trying to like be holy with your, with physical stuff as well, which is even more crazy because your hormones are raging. I mean, it is the worst time that you will ever experience in your life. Ryan Gates, put a ring on it, man. I mean, just, get, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, but seriously. <laughs> But think about that, that experience. Um, you're, you're with this person who is honestly utterly alien. You know, you're, you're a dude. She's not vice versa. And, and you're trying to, you're trying to overcome this distance between you. And at the same time, you're worried about what, what might happen if you do. It's like you want to, but it's, it's scary. And there's a lot of, a lot of potential for mishap and for, for danger if you do. And really, if you think about what you're actually doing, you're, you're, you're looking at a stranger, an alien, and you're like, I want to make you a part of my family. Like, literally, that's what you're doing. You're taking somebody who is way weird and different from you, and you're saying, I want us to be family together. I want us to be together forever. Maybe. I mean, that's why we're dating. We've got to figure it out. You know, gotta. It's like when dogs meet each other, and they're like, sniffing. They're like... Nope, nope, no, it's not going to work. It's one of those things. That's, what? That's, that's what they're doing. Maybe it's not. I don't know anything about animals, but that's my take. Uh, what you're doing is you're, 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 you're deciding whether or not you can become family, and you're, and you're taking a risk to see if that is where you belong together. That's what God did in Christ. He, he, he crossed over and said, want to go out? Like, really, um, I'm willing to, to, to overcome this distance between us. I'm willing to, to set all of the things that make us different aside, and I want you to think about becoming family with me. And that principally is what the church is. It's, it's, it's taking people who are strangers and aliens and, and throwing them together, barbarians and Scythians and slaves and free, and saying, let's do life together. Let's be family together. And that experience of crossing over the, that liminal space, the space of fear, the space of anxiety, the space of hope, the space of possibility that, that you experience every time you, you, you cross over to someone that you don't know who's different and strange to you and you, and you try to bring them in. That experience right there is the love of God. That is you loving God. That is you experiencing what God experienced when he came to us. That is you experiencing what it is to take the risk and the vulnerability to to be like him. If you say, I love God, but ah, those strangers and weirdos and brothers and sisters, I don't need that. You're a liar. Because you've no idea what the love of God is like. So here we are, 2017. I've been so pleased uh, to see so many um, old faces and new faces and visitors and all this stuff happening here at the church. It's really exciting, it is. Um, but there's a, there's a challenge right now, because when, we ha- when we're in a time of liminality and a time of flux like this, where new folks are coming in and checking, you know, sniffing around, seeing what they think, uh, there, there is a requirement. There's a requirement that we ha- or we're given an opportunity, an opportunity to express the love of God, and that is to cross over to the stranger, to reach the hand out and say, hey, why don't you think about, you know... That's a really scary thing to do. It's like dating all over again, which is why it's awful. But it has the possibility of something wonderful, namely that people that we had no idea could become brothers and sisters close, as close to us as our blood family. It, it requires a tremendous amount of courage. It requires you to get that. Some of you are real good at it. For you, I despise you. But, uh, some, for most of you, most of you, it's, it's like, it's really difficult. You're like, oh, I would much rather just hang out with Scott. It's so easy. Um, instead, maybe I need to, to step out in faith in The love of God, um, and see what happens. We uh, we're starting up small groups. Uh, they're, they're they're coming. We mentioned uh, the women's Bible study is is, is coming up. Um, also, uh, supper club. Supper club was a big hit last last year. Um, all the other small groups involved like learning things or you know working hard, homework. like supper club was like, hey, come eat and don't have to worry about your kids. Everyone's like, sign me up. Awesome! I love it. All it is is it's 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 an opportunity to because Kristen, 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 yes, Kristen, um, really great at logistics. I, I'm terrible at organizing things. I hate lists. I hate uh, making phone calls. I'm, but Kristen is awesome at it. And so Kristen and Monica both have been have been. Had, speaking of which, Kristen, I'm still, that employment offer is still available. You can come work for me if you'd like. Uh, whatever they're paying you at the accounting firm, I can guarantee you you get at least. Half of that like at least guaranteed right off the top anyway she 's really good at that and uh and, 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 and so i 'm encouraging anyone who wants to to sit there and, and and make the effort, reach out across the aisle and start to sign up sign up for uh, for supper, supper club. I think they 've got five dates on the calendar uh, right now we spoke yesterday, uh, in fact, one of them's next Saturday, so a little bit. I'm late, you're ahead. You did your calendar like six months ago. I yeah, I got it. All right. Uh, so but 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 get get us your email, um, talk to Kristen if you can, and 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 really make that effort. And for those of you who've been here for 30 years, Scott, where is he? I saw him. There he is. Scott, we've gotta stop hanging out, you and me. Our friendship is over. Finished. Unless we invite other people, okay? So that's that's the rule. Scott, we've we've gotta step out of our comfort zone. Um, so that we can invite and and, and incorporate and assimilate those um, who don't know us as well. (laughs) He's like, I skipped the entire sermon, but I got the bottom line. (laughs) Sweet. Good job, man. I think um, we started out with the question, uh, is there any reason to get outside of your comfort zone? And what um, I think we've come to, the, the place that we've come to, is the recognition that at least in the er- arena of welcoming and assimilating people into the church, we're called to get out of our comfort zone because that is the very essence of loving God. And if we're not doing it, and we claim to be loving God, we might be wrong. Now granted, everyone's comfort zone is different, and so I'm not, I'm not saying you've got to suddenly turn into a social butterfly, but I am saying that that I think what John is after is he's like, if you're not out there loving people beyond what is comfortable for you, you're, you're just, you can't understand what it was for God to come from there to here and to give himself for you. You're missing it. And you have an opportunity to live it in this community. Anyone who says, I love God, must love a brother or sister too. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, I pray that we will um, have our eyes reopened to the, the majesty and the graciousness with which you crossed from heaven to earth, from spirit to flesh, from infinitude to finitude, to be with us, to save us, to demonstrate your love for us. I pray that we will be people who are willing to take that same risk and reach out and cross over to make the stranger family. God, for any who are lonely here, any who are um, without community, without a sense of belonging, I pray, God, that you will send us as your people to surround them and incorporate them and assimilate them and bring them into your community. For any, God, uh, who are here and are, are, are comfortable and, 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 and safe, God, I pray that you will send your spirit to draw us out of our safety, draw us out of our comfort into um, what you have for us. God, all of it is a picture of your son. All of it is the consummation that you've created in the church that we will realize fully when he returns. We wait for that day in, in anticipation the glory is yours. The glory is Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.